Chapter Fifteen of Among the Great Masters of the Drama. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sonia. Among the Great Masters of the Drama by Walter Rowlands. MacReady. Farewell, MacReady. Since this night we part, go take thine honours home rank with the best garrick and statelier campbell and the rest who made a nation purer through their art tennyson keen was present at macready's debut on the london stage which took place at covent garden in september eighteen sixteen the play being the distressed mother in this macready performed orestes and keen honestly avowed that he had never seen such a complete representation of the character one of macready's finest impersonations perhaps his best was werner in byron's tragedy of that name brought out in eighteen thirty this work written in italy and published in eighteen twenty two is taken entirely from a story entitled the german's tale which forms one of lee's canterbury tales the main idea of this gloomy work is the horror of an erring father who detected in wrong by his son has defended his sin and thus weakened the son's notions of right on finding that the latter has committed the crime of murder the veteran playwright and poet westland marston gives us among his recollections of actors an excellent summary of macready's acting as werner he says amiable censors have not been wanting to allege that his success in werner was chiefly due to the resemblance between the hero of the drama and himself in point of morbid pride and sensitiveness this theory however by no means accounts for the impressive melancholy which he wore when werner's honours were restored or above all for that display of a father's love and agony in the fifth act which must be ranked among his supreme effects but to whatever cause his exhibition of pride and bitter querulous impatience in the first act were due it is hard to conceive of their being more intense and incisive the rising of the curtain discovered the fugitive nobleman indignant at his cruel fate stalking to and fro like some captured wild animal in his cage the gaunt look of recent sickness was in his face the fretful irritability which it causes repeatedly broke forth spite of his affection for his wife in his tones and gestures while through the veil of poverty disease and mental suffering gleamed the forlorn haughtiness of bearing which bespoke his ineradicable pride of birth the quick apprehensions and suspicions which spring from nerves wasted alike with disease and grief were admirably conveyed first by his alarm when he hears the knocking of the intendant and again by the air of feline weariness and distrust with which he scanned gabor on his entrance and subsequently at length strahlenheim enters who seeks to usurp werner's domain and for that evil end to secure his person werner at once recognizes him and the former has at length a dim suspicion that the man before him is his intended victim when at length strahlenheim turns to him after conversing with the intendant and gabor the furtive and apprehensive gaze with which macready had watched his oppressor gave way to irrepressible hatred nothing could be more curtly repellent than his tones in answer to strahlenheim's questions strahlenheim have you been here long werner with abrupt surprise 
Long? Strahlenheim. I sought an answer, not an echo. Werner, rapidly and morosely. You may seek both from the walls. I am not used to answer those whom I know not. A little later, when Strahlenheim observes, Your language is above your station. Werner's answer, Is it? contain the transition from ironical humility to scorn and loathing which it was surprising so brief a phrase could express not less striking when he feared his passion might betray him was the sudden change in the words that follow to rude and caustic indifference tis well that it is not beneath it as sometimes happens to the better clad in the second act it will be remembered that Werner, made desperate by the plain suspicions of Stahlenheim, who has power to arrest and imprison him, commits a robbery on his foe in the dead of night to gain the means of escape. Subsequently, Werner and his wife are discovered by their long-lost son, Ulrich. The joy of the parents has scarcely found utterance when Ulrich tells them that he had, on the previous day, saved the life of Stahlenheim, and that he is now in quest of the villain who had robbed him. To give any conception of MacReady's acting at this point, I must quote the dialogue. Werner, agitatedly, Who taught you to mouth that name of villain? Ulrich, What more noble name belongs to common thieves? Werner, Who taught you thus to brand an unknown being with an infernal stigma? Ulrich, My own feelings taught me to name a ruffian from his deeds. Werner, who taught you, long-sought and ill-found boy, that it would be safe for my own son to insult me? Ulrich, I named a villain. What is there in common with such a being and my father? Werner, everything. That ruffian is thy father. Josephine, oh, my son, believe him not, and yet... Her voice falters. Ulrich, starts looks earnestly at werner and then says slowly and you avow it werner ulrich before you dare despise your father learn to divine and judge his actions young rash new to life and reared in luxury's lap is it for you to measure passion's force or misery's temptation wait not long it cometh like the night and quickly wait wait till like me your hopes are blighted till sorrow and shame are handmaids of your cabin famine and poverty your guests at table despair your bedfellow then rise but not from sleep and judge should that day ever arrive should you see then the serpent who hath coiled himself around all that is dear and noble of you and yours lie slumbering in your path with but his folds between your steps and happiness when he who lives but to tear from you name lands life itself lies at your mercy with chance your conductor midnight for your mantle the bare knife in your hand and earth asleep even to your deadliest foe and he as twere inviting death by looking like it while his death alone can save you thank your god if then like me content with petty plunder you turn aside i did so
from the cry of remonstrance with which the above passage opens even to its close what a complexity of emotion struggling and at the same time blending with each other did make ready portray the strife between wrathful pride and agony at having to confess and extenuate his guilt to his idolized and just regained son the increasing and at last breathless rapidity with which he piled up the circumstances of his desperate temptation and venial sin till finally pride self-abasement and self-vindication were swallowed up and swept away by a master touch of paternal love and anguish as shaken convulsed with extended arms and bowed head he appealed to ulrich with the words i did so all these with their harrowing pathos and subduing power live in my memory as if they were of yesterday more than forty years have not weakened their effect the bald tale in the third act of stahlenheim's murder by an unknown hand of werner's dread lest he should be suspected of the crime and of his escape from the spot supply little that is of dramatic interest the fourth act also which shows werner restored to his estates and to his title of count siegendorf moves slowly and eventlessly the fifth act however brings the great situation of the tragedy when gabor suspected by werner of being the murderer of stahlenheim asserts that ulrich is the guilty one ulrich confesses the deed and defends it saying to his father if you condemn me yet remember who has taught me once too often to listen to him who proclaimed to me that there were crimes made venial by the occasion marston says the greatness of macready's acting here reached its climax MacLeis's picture of macready as werner depicts him in the beginning of the first act the painter born in ireland in eighteen eleven went to london at the age of sixteen and studied in the royal academy schools he was but two years older when his malvolio was hung on the walls of the academy of which body he was made a full member in eighteen forty dying in eighteen seventy after declining the presidency of the royal academy he left behind him many important works notably the great frescoes of the death of nelson and the meeting of wellington and blucher after waterloo in the houses of parliament his paintings of the banquet scene in macbeth and the play scene in hamlet are famous End of chapter 15.